Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. My guest today, Karen Diarman Gardner, is here to share with us her story and her wisdom on a very important topic, which we often don't discuss which is domestic violence. Friends, I am so grateful for what Karen has to share with us today. So be sure to share this with all your friends and family so we can help those who are caught in unhealthy relationships. Karen, welcome to the Fully Restored podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Kristen. I'm really excited about this interview. Oh, so am I. And so before we jump into the seriousness of domestic violence, I just have a couple of fun facts about you. As we were just talking before we went on the air, one of the things is you do art, specifically prophetic art, and that it's kind of just a Holy Spirit led moment where you just sit down and do your art. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Anything specific about that? It is sometimes when you're in the midst of writing, it's you get somewhat stuck. And especially when you're talking about serious stuff. And so sometimes to get the creative juices flowing, it's just being able to ask the Holy Spirit. So what color do you want me to use? And what what do you want this to look like? And so you're engaging the Holy Spirit and, in, and engaging that right side of your brain where creativity dwells. Yes. Awesome. And I love that, that when we feel stuck and, you know, whether it's writing a book or different things in our life to get involved in the arts, to get involved in some way to express what is going on inside of us or what we feel God saying to us is perfect thing to do. So I love that. And the other thing, you and I have something in common. We are both girls that grew up at the beach, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, that beach life. I love and miss the beach. And that is my favorite place to be, as I'm sure it is one of yours as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do and your family. I don't have letters after my name. I am someone who not only survived domestic abuse, but I'm someone who was thriving after domestic abuse. So it's part of my story, but it's not the story. I've been remarried for 10 years to Tom Gardner, and we own a private security company, Gardner Protective Services. My ex-husband was in law enforcement, but my husband, Tom, is a bodyguard. And so there's real restoration in that. And I'm actually the CEO of the company. So that might be another little fun fact. That is a fun fact. (laughs) But I do mentor women and encourage them, women that have left domestic violence, and I help them to put words to what happened to them. Wow. That is wonderful. There's a lot right there. And I think I'm going to wait to kind of hear your story a little bit Mm -hmm. because you said some things that kind of intrigued me. So we'll just kind of jump in. Karen, could you share with us your story of your marriage, what those years were like for you? 
Well, I was 20 years old. I have been a Christian for about three-ish, not quite four-ish years. So once I said yes to his proposal, it never occurred to me that I could change my mind. And in that, I actually thought that he loved me and it would take years for me to understand that he didn't and that we had good times mixed in with what I call the nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Not a movie I ever saw, but it's the horror of that. And I thought the good made up for the bad. And in reality, even the good wasn't good. As I thought about it, what it felt like was there was calm mixed with dread because you never knew when there was going to be something that would set him off. Um, He was in law enforcement. He actually didn't go into law enforcement until our kids were like one and two is when Somewhere around there is when he went into law enforcement. It wasn't right away. So he, um, unfortunately, he arrested people for what he did at home, but he never saw it in himself. And so I was in the marriage for 30 years, 30 years, four months and two days before I left. I honestly believe that because of the churches that I attended, that uh, once you're married, you stay married, that leaving wasn't an option and that I was just suffering. As Jesus talked about in the scripture, Paul talked about in the scripture, you know, that our afflictions are light and momentary and one day we'd have a crown. And it never occurred to me that domestic violence is not suffering for Jesus. I left the marriage after 30 years, believing that God was disappointed in me for wanting a divorce. And I was actually okay with that, but it turned out he wasn't disappointed at all. He's actually the one that orchestrated my leaving. And he didn't expect me to return to my husband when he got right with Jesus yet again. It was ups and downs. And and part of it would be explained of what our marriage was like as we talk about what actually is domestic. Which leads us to the next question. What Mm -hmm. is domestic violence abuse? There's actually two types of domestic violence. There's what they call the situational couples abuse. It's also referred to as a battered woman syndrome. It's what you hear about. She has visible bruises. There's loud spies. She may be going to the hospital. You hear the fights, you know, they're yelling and screaming and everybody knows that there's something going on in the family. They also, the abusers do also use control and manipulation. But the second type of abuse is what is called coercive control violence. It's also referred to as intimate terrorism, which is the systematic use of control and coercion to instill fear and compliance using mostly nonviolent tactics to instill fear. They will use violence, though they would never hurt you where bruises could be seen, or they use a threat of violence to create the atmosphere of fear. And it really is a pattern of oppression that systematically destroys your identity. And this is beyond just a controlling boyfriend or a spouse. It is so much deeper. They look for targets. And so they will target you, woo you, pull you in. And once they have you, which is usually after you say, I do, then they reveal the man behind the mask. Out of reported cases of domestic violence, 14% of those reported are the situational couples abuse. The other 86% is coercive control. And in England, it is actually, or the uh, Great Britain, it is actually a crime 
and in the United States, it's not. The only way it's a crime in the United States is if he commits an act of violence that's actually illegal. Wow. I really appreciate that you defined the two types of abuse of domestic violence because I don't think everyday person knows about the two types. And what a difference, you know, 14% of situational, which is often what individuals think about as domestic Mm -hmm. violence versus the 86% for the Mm -hmm. cohesive control violence. Wow, that is a huge difference in what that is. And that speaks of how many individuals, because it's not just women, it's, you know, men as well. How many individuals are caught in that 86% where others don't see the bruises, but those people doubt themselves. They struggle with their own judgment and decisions that they make. And really they defer to their abuser to make all decisions, right? Well, it's not so much as they defer. It's that he creates a place where you have no choice. They can literally control you with a look. And I've, since I've been out of the views, which is 15 plus years, I've read everything. And honestly, I just learned about this coercive control like last month. In all the research, I had never seen it. But when I found it, and I didn't have a name for it until like 2005, it comes from a Dr. Evan Stark, who's a PhD, and then Dr. Deborah Wingfield also has written on it. And a lot of the information that I found, because I'm like, okay, I heard this here, I need to research this, but I found it on WebMD, which is a well-known site for, and it's in all the psychology today. And it's so much better explained because most of the cases, women do not even know that they're being abused because they have no words to describe what's happening to them because it happens so slowly. It doesn't just happen like there, there are cycles, but they're not really cycles because it's always there. Mm-hmm. And most people don't see it because he looks cool, calm and collected while yeah. she looks unbalanced and unstable. And so they think that there's something wrong with her, which reinforces his narrative that she's the problem. Yeah. And those are the women that I see come into my office Mm -hmm. as a counselor Mm -hmm. are the women that they're the problem. They need to get fixed. They doubt themselves. What I notice usually is that they doubt their judgment, their Mm -hmm. ability to make decisions, and Mm -hmm. they're just, their life is a wreck. So Karen, you shared with us the difficulty you experienced being in the abusive marriage and the effects it had on your life, on your soul. Could you tell us about your fully restored story? What was that defining moment of when you knew that you were done and God transformed you? Well, about six months before I left, I had what I call my stick of fork in me undone moment. And it was so, it was just a non- chaotic moment. I came home from work and I shared with him how I just got a big bonus from work. And he literally would not look at me, talk to me, acknowledge me or be happy for me. And in that moment, I just, it's, it's it's like, I looked down, saw the giant fork sticking in my body. And I just said in my head, I'm done. I'm done. You're just not worth it anymore. And I didn't say those words out loud because that would have been unsafe. I'm done. I didn't know what to do at that point because I had this fear that was constantly whispering, no, you can't leave. You're stuck. This is your life for the rest of your life. You, there's nothing you can do. And, and I was absolutely terrified of him and I knew what he was capable of. 
And that alone just kept me trapped. But little did I know is that that moment when I said I was done, God started orchestrating events for me to leave six months later. And it was actually my 72-year-old mother who helped me escape. And we left the day after Christmas of 2004. Over these last 15 years, God has led me sometimes kicking and screaming into healing. What I've discovered is domestic violence isn't a life sentence. And there's a lot of women that believe when they come out that this is all there is. This is what my life is going to be, is I will never be free of him. I will live in pain and agony for the rest of my life. And that's not the case. We do not need to live with the consequences of our abuser's sin for the remainder of our life. God is the God who promised abundant life, but there were times I just couldn't imagine it. And it doesn't mean life has been easy over the last 15 years, but it has been abundant. I have learned through allowing God to go through the healing in my life and to help me to face the pain, which is not a pleasant experience. And, and I put it off for a long time. I stuffed it down. I was so afraid of the pain. I didn't want to feel. Feeling was dangerous. I was healed enough to get married five years after I left to Tom and healed enough to do that. But then the marriage created, it kicked up all these triggers. Yeah. And he would remind me, he says, Karen, I am not your ex-husband. Yeah. And he would literally say, he hasn't said that in a long time. So that's how far we've come. He's literally loved me and taught me what love is. And I truly believe that I had no clue what love was before. I don't think there was any love in that marriage. I know what love is now. I know what Ephesians 5 looks like. And it wasn't what I was in. I love that your mother was the one that helped you. And I'm just curious as to what was that buildup moment, that decision, because you said six months before you were done. Did you tell your mom that? Um, I, I didn't tell anybody. I was so wrapped in shame and yeah. pride. The two go hand in hand. I didn't want anybody to know, but my mom knew by this point, she knew things were not good. And I was in denial. In September, I got a magazine from the Christian Women's Magazine. And there was an article in that magazine on abuse. I came home from work and I sat down and he's watching TV and I'm reading my magazine and I find that article and I'm like, what, what? And I'm reading that. And it's an interview with a law enforcement officer about domestic violence. And as I'm reading it, I come to the stark reality that Karen, you can't deny it any longer. He's an abuser. And I'm like, that means I'm abused. And I did not want to admit that I was being abused. And it was in that moment that I knew that. So my mom came for a visit for the holidays. So still nothing happened. I, there was that moment, but nothing else happened until my mom came to visit in December. And it was, it was awful. I just decided I was done. And my mom, she knew I had to make the decision. She wouldn't make it for me, but we planned every day. We went out shopping, Christmas shopping, quote unquote, and we just planned. And finally, we decided the day after Christmas, which was a Sunday, that he would know that we're getting up to go to church. And so he wouldn't be concerned about any noise or ruffling or that we were leaving the house at all. And so we were going to make the escape, but my car battery was dead. And so 
<laughs> my mom, I'm freaking out. And my mom's like, we'll call triple A. And so I said, I can't stay here. So we left and went to a gas station that had a little coffee house. Mom called triple A, the tow truck guy showed up. And I said, I'm running away from home. Do not wake him up. And my mom and him went back to the house and he got this car started and she drove it back over and picked me up and we drove to Texas. How courageous, because that takes a lot of courage to make that decision, to make the plans and to follow through with it. Yes, yes. I couldn't have done it without my mom. I was so afraid. The fear, it's hard to describe. The terror that is in every fabric it's like in every part of your DNA in your body. So, which brings up a, a very important question because for a lot of Christian women, we stay in marriages because we feel that God expects us to stay in that abusive marriage. Could you talk to us about that? Yeah, he does not. If you think about think about the body of Christ, we are the body of Christ and he loves us so much that he died for us. He sacrificed himself for the body. He likens in Ephesians 5, he compares marriage to his love for the body of Christ. So it doesn't make sense that he wants us to stay in a violent marriage because the New Testament is full of warnings to watch out for the wolves, watch out for the Antichrist, watch for out for anyone who would come into the church and cause a problem. So why would it be okay for someone to stay in an abusive marriage? It's not. But we're told, oh, you can't break the covenant. Well, guess what? What if there was never covenant in the first place? Because when he married you, he didn't go in with covenant. He went in with a lie. And quite frankly, he broke the covenant when he abused. And so we just are doing the paperwork. And so God is never, that is not where his heart is. If we even look at the lengths that he went to, to rescue Israel out of abuse, he went to such great lengths. Why would he not do that for us? I love how you compared that to the lengths that he went to set the captives of Israel free. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about when they were in captivity to Egypt or when they were captivity to Babylon, Mm -hmm. the lengths that God went to, to rescue them and to heal them. And this is words that are life to individuals like you know, Mm -hmm. who are in abusive marriages who are in abusive relationships that feel like there's no hope that they can't get away, that they're stuck. We have kids or I'm just stuck in this marriage. This is my lot. I just have to deal with it. But the truth is that there is hope and that you can get out of that relationship. So I want to know, how does someone recognize a predator and how can we help someone who is in or has left an abusive relationship? Before I get to that, I I do want to make one point. One question that I get from women that it didn't occur to me earlier is if he doesn't hit me, is it abusive? And and the answer is absolutely yes, because a lot of in coercive abuse, they don't always hit. They may rarely hit. And usually when they cause physical pain, it's things like pinching or biting, or they grab your arm that there's, there's never any, there's rarely bruises. And so they don't have to hit you for it to be abused. Cause quite frankly, the onslaught of verbal and emotional and psychological abuse is like, you're getting battered with this only it's through words and emotions just to clarify that. So just cause he, he's not hitting you doesn't mean it's not abuse. Yeah. Um, How to recognize a predator. Okay. Well, 
quite frankly, they're hard to spot. They're charming, funny, likable, and they're very attentive. They don't look like a monster. However, their good news is we have Proverbs chapter two that gives us guidelines how to identify evil. And people might say, oh, we shouldn't use that word because evil, but it is evil. But Proverbs 2 tells us how to pursue wisdom. And in pursuing that wisdom, then it says, as we pursue it, like it's a treasure, that we're on a treasure hunt. And then it says, wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong. They enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are wrong. Wisdom will help us to see what's underneath what they're saying. How do you feel when you're with him? And then how do you feel when you're not with him? If you've ever had a conversation with somebody who was using a really nice tone, and then later that night you were rethinking the conversation and you thought, oh my goodness they just slammed me and I didn't even notice it because it was said so sweetly, but they were really mean what they said, whether it was a man or a woman. And I have a friend like that. I I didn't even realize that when she would talk to me, she would say something really nice. And then she would say like a put down and then say something nice again. And I never realized that she was being really mean. And that's what they do. They sandwich it. An example is they will push your boundaries. Tom and I were dating because we were both older. We were very careful in our purity. And he told me, you make the boundaries and I'll keep them. And with someone who's a predator, you may say, you know, I really don't want to kiss right away. And they'll say, oh, okay, absolutely. But then he'll systematically start pushing that boundary of, I want to kiss you. And you're so irresistible. I just can't help myself. I want to kiss you, you know, and you'll finally give in and you'll believe it was your idea to give in. So if it's when you set and establish a boundary, mm-hmm. that's what they go after. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. They will learn your secrets. Okay. Uh, they, they will learn all your secrets. And then once they have you, they'll start using those very secrets against and you, you. And you bring up a really good point about when you talked about a friend, because these unhealthy relationships can be also with friends Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. if you are caught in that cycle of domestic violence, you can attract unhealthy friendships as well. If you have any friends um, Mm -hmm. during that as well. So Mm -hmm. with your life experience and where God has brought you today, what are two or three things that you can share with our listeners as they begin their own journey of healing? Number one, it's not your fault. You didn't cause him to abuse you. There's nothing you could have done differently to change him or change the outcome. Being a better wife won't make him a better man. And that's just not your responsibility, even though you may hear that from if you ever go to your church for help with pastors or church leaders, they may tell you that you're responsible for his behavior through their actions will just be a better wife, love him more, forgive him, you know, have more sex, uh, maybe lose 15 pounds. None of that is going to change him. He didn't just have a bad childhood. He purposely chooses to cause harm and it actually gives him pleasure. It's probably the only way he feels in his controlling and abuse of you that actually gives him joy. And that sounds 
in like insanity, but it, it I, is. I just want to pause for a moment because I feel that little section right there that you just said is so important for us to grasp. It's not that you didn't pray enough. It's not that you weren't a better wife, that you need to have more sex or you need to lose weight or you need to change how you respond to him, which we do need to change how we respond, but it's not your fault of how he's acting, which goes back to that thought. Well, I wouldn't have done this if you didn't make me mad. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And in the church, we need to recognize, and I'm coming as a counselor, but I'm also coming as a pastor. I want to see health in the church. I'm not attacking the church. We are not attacking the church. We want the church, which is us, the body of Christ. We want us to be healthy. And we need to recognize that there's some unhealthy thinking, systematic thinking that leads women to stay in violent relationships longer than they should because they're fearful that God's going to be unhappy with them. Yes. Yeah, wow. absolutely. But number two, you can find a safe person to talk to and just know that not everybody can handle your pain yes. and you may lose friends. They, it may trigger them and they may flee from you so fast that you felt like you just got pushed off a cliff. You will also struggle putting words to what was done to you. And it's all part of it is the deception that you've been under because he wove just a covering of deception around you. And when it hits you, when, when you realize everything that he did, the pain will be so intense and excruciating and it will roll over you in waves. And I know it is absolutely not the least bit fair that we have to bear the pain of what they did to us while he gets to go on his merry way as if nothing happened. And that's the reality of it, like it or not. It's terrible, but it is a reality. And number three, healing is going to take time. And I'm telling you, it is hard. Life suddenly won't be easier because facing that pain is hard. And if you don't face the pain, it really comes down to you can't heal what you don't acknowledge. So if you do what I did and you stuff it down, it's not like it will go away. It comes out. But God promises to heal us. He promises to be with us in the pain. When we have no words for the agony that we're in, the Holy Spirit will translate your groans of pain into words as Jesus steps into your pain and it intercedes for you before the Father. And so the Trinity actually works in tandem for your healing. And just know God is so kind and so gracious. He will only take you as far as you want to go in your healing. If you can't feel like you can't do anymore, he'll stop and he'll give you a season of rest until you get stronger and can come back to it. I love all of those words of wisdom that you have and I'm so appreciative. And I'm just thinking as you were talking about the scriptures, the word restore, you know, here I am mm -hmm. fully restored podcast mm -hmm. and I'm all things restoration. And when you do a study about the word restore, there's always a minimum of a double portion that comes back in your restoration. He'll give you a twofold. He'll give you a tenfold. There's even a hundredfold of restoration that God gives that he speaks of in his word in the Bible. That is something that we can hold on to that as we're doing that work and pressing through and, and doing the work of healing, God's going to restore us, but he's not just going to barely restore us. He's going to fully restore us and then pour out blessings upon us in that process. 
I'm so grateful for your words of wisdom, Karen. And you have a book that's in the process. What's the title? It is Hope for Healing from Domestic Abuse. The subtitle is Reaching for God's Promise of Real Freedom. And it's supposed to release from Kriegel sometime next spring. Okay, wonderful. And how can people connect with you online? They can connect. Uh, my website is another one free. It's Breaking the Chains of Domestic Violence. And of course, it's not just freedom from domestic violence. It's the freedom that we get every single day as we heal. I also have a, and I do have a free download. If you subscribe to the site, 10 ways that you've been let go of trauma and let go is just another word for freedom. You can also find me on Facebook, another one free page where I actually provide encouragement and we talk about abuse and then the encouragement for healing can also, if you have questions after hearing this, you can email me at Karen at anotheronefree.com. And of course I'm on Pinterest and Instagram. Um, You're all over. I'm all over. (laughs) Yes. I'm all over and growing. Yes. Okay. So I know that Psalms 107, one through nine and 43 are scriptures that ministered to you greatly Mm -hmm. on your journey of healing. In the last few moments we have, could you pray for our listeners today and pray the scripture over them? Yes, absolutely. This Psalm is a Psalm for the abused and it's an amazing, but the first thing he tells us is to give thanks for the Lord because he is good. And that's the one thing that as you enter into this healing, that God is still good, no matter what has happened to us. And so father, I ask you for an awakening for all of those who may be wondering if they're an abusive marriage. And if they're wondering, the answer is probably yes. And I ask that you will just open their eyes and their ears that they can hear and see that this is not your plan for their life. That father, you would lead them safely out, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not their fault and that you love them with such an extravagant love Yes, and that you, you have so much more for them and you'll take care of the abuser. You always do. You always work in them. You do their part and you do your part of always drawing every person into you, but your heart is for the brokenhearted. Your heart is for the abused and you promise promise in your word that you will heal us. And as Kristen said earlier, you don't just heal us. You take us to the above and the beyond. There's what I call the land of more. There is so much more. And father, these women, they may not understand. They may not be able to see beyond their pain, but that father, that you would lead them to people that can help them to see when they can't see that will be able to give them words that they don't have until they have them. And I I pray your presence over them. I pray that you would fill them with your presence, with your love, with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Karen, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today and the information of where you can reach Karen will all be found on my website at podcast.fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would also greatly appreciate it if you could leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. I would love to stay connected with you. So be sure to find me on Instagram and 
my Facebook page at both of them are at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this episode of Fully Restored Podcast ministered to you, encouraged you, gave you some strength to see that life outside of the domestic violence relationship you're in is possible and that you feel that you have some new tools to walk out your own fully restored story. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.